0: Welcome to the Black Hat Chat Podcast with Lee Johnson and Reverend Kai, a weekly show about living as a modern crafter, where two witches discuss a variety of topics concerning magic and witchcraft. You can also catch us live on Fridays at 4pm GMT on YouTube or Twitch. The links are in the description of the podcast or in the About section. So grab yourself a cup of coffee or tea and let's begin.
1: Thanks for joining us we are now releasing our what's on the telly supporter only show to the public we are releasing it three months later than our premieres on our supporter sites through patreon and buy me a coffee so this month we have the show evil we're reviewing season one Uh, This originally aired in August of 2021 for our supporters. So if you'd like to join us for What's on the Telly, coming out as soon as possible, you can find the links below. Thank you for being a supporter and thank you for watching Lee and I on the Black Hat Chat. We love hearing from you and we will see you on Fridays at 4 p.m. GMT for our regular chatting time. But now, let's get into what's on the telly.
0: Hello to all of our members. Right, so we're going to start doing an exclusive. And what we're going to be doing is uh, just reviewing uh, TV series and movies, which are magic and witchcraft related. And uh, giving our opinion, really, because we like to be opinionated. Sometimes we have to be because, you know, we're witches. Um, we are going to call this segment What's on the Telly. So let's get, well, let's begin. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, for our first one, we are going to review the Netflix show Evil, uh, which has one season out with 13 episodes. And they've said there's a second season coming. The trailer has mm. been released. So, uh, hopefully, if this is successful, We'll be back to review the second season but right now we're just talking about season one because that's all that's
0: out at the moment Yeah, season two is actually has actually started it's on episode six i think oh but not on, not on netflix netflix i think might be a bit behind yeah and it's not on netflix south africa which is quite horrific don't know why they do that
1: i thought this was a netflix show
0: Currently, not. No, I think it's uh, CBS, I think. Oh, HBO. CBS, yeah. okay. Mm. All right. So, the, the, the series Evil is basically about a priest and a psychiatrist. Psychologist. Uh, but, sorry, psychologist, psychologist. Um, those are the two main characters. Um, now, the priest is a priest in training but he gets called out to do or to to assess um uh, 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 uh forgotten the word forgotten the word
1: phenomenon
0: phenomenon and possessions
1: That's well the they do some possessions they do some um, infestations they do some miracles just all the things where the catholic church may need to intercede or uh, give an official stamp. So, hmm. and in real life, this is what assessors for the Catholic Church do. Uh, yeah. They go out anytime somebody says, I think this person is possessed. I think my house is haunted. Um, I think I, you know, there was a, I witnessed a miracle. That's what happens is the Catholic Church sends out an assessor and they review the situation and report back and then the church decides, yes, it officially is uh, a phenomenon or not. Mm. And most often, the answer is not. There's a lot of criterion for the yeah. for the situation to meet, for the church to say, yeah, this happened. Yeah.
0: What I actually like about the whole thing is that the, the team they put together, so you've got the priest, uh, and then you've got Ben, who is Muslim, I think.
1: He seems to come from a Muslim family, although there's, like, some indications in the show that maybe he doesn't practice. There's a scene where his sister's, like, uh, dad's asking if you're coming in for prayers, and he just looks at her. And his sister's like, yeah, I know, but he has to try, right? So, seemingly, Ben has not been praying uh, with his family or attending the mosque for quite some time.
0: Hmm yeah so he's a complete non-believer to begin with uh so he goes around and checks for technical things for construction um you know if pipes are rattling when and it's making a noise and people are thinking it's it's an infestation or something like that um then he's he really
1: really, jack of all trades it he looks at all sorts of
0: things Mm. no he does he does uh i I think at one one stage he somebody asked him what he does and he says he's uh Contractor, that was it. Yeah,
1: uh, yeah. <laughs> Good way to explain
0: it. Yeah, and then the psychologist, who is an ex-Catholic, so has rejected uh, the Catholic faith altogether, um, and so she comes in as an impartial observer to give the the other side of the story, really, so just to check the um, the mental health of the person, as opposed to the priest who is checking for the spiritual aspect um so it, it it's I, I find this i find this interesting because it's not one of those tv series that kind of just focus completely on it is this or it isn't that um you know it, it gives an impartial view as well it examines the psychology of some of this stuff um and all but it also examines um you know things that uh, could be done physically In order to affect the changes um yeah
1: which is the way that the the church approaches assessments like that if there is Mm. some other explanation then it's not a possession a miracle an infestation a haunting whatever it is um but there is a point in the show where the psychologist says you know the the not the main priest David Acosta the character, uh, but the priest he's reporting to that's giving him his assignments. That priest says, um, you know, is there anything else psychology could do here? And the psychologist, the character Christian Bouchard, says, yes, psychology always thinks there's more. But if we don't act something bad is going to happen the church needs to act here so mm. she's she even says you know I don't really think this is the devil or a haunting or a possession or whatever but you have the ability to act and the in this situation the parents have already exhausted a great deal of medical and psychological intervention and now want something else because they're out there wits' end. Mm-hmm. So that's an interesting uh point of view that the the psychologist is not just hardline the church can never do anything, there's nothing helpful there, you know, kind of thing, which is a really interesting position for a character that is a lapsed Catholic. Mm-hmm. You know, and there later in the show, her husband. Asked if she's becoming unlapsed yeah which is a, a term i had to go look up because i was like what in the world uh <laughs> i was like oh lapsed catholic unlapsed catholic going back uh you know do you believe again you're acting as if you believe and i think that's after he discovers a rosary in her house mm. uh, like you know why do you have this rosary so
0: yeah um, what I also like is, you know, when, when you look at most of the films in the series that revolve around this topic, um, it's always the, the Hollywood uh, showcase um, and, you know, the, there's there's some there's two or three points in the series where they talk about children being possessed and can they be possessed and they say no, because in order for a possession to happen, the demon has to be invited in and a child can't do that especially a fetus
1: yeah they talk about Uh, consent um yeah yeah because there's a fetus an unborn uh very very close to being born like within days that's why there is a time pressure on it but the Mm. fetus will be born and the church says that fetus can't invite them in fetus can't consent so it can't be a possession
0: yeah and most other movies and series would just, you know, like Omen, for instance, with uh, Damien. Um, yeah. Damien, sorry, Damien. Um, you know, it's a child who's possessed by the devil. Um, so it, it doesn't, like, tie in with, with all the other Hollywood uh, phenomena or phenomena. Hollywood bullshit that goes around
1: yeah I, I liked this show in this season specifically because there were a lot of things in it that I felt were much closer to real life experience mm-hmm. both with hauntings and demons and with working with the Catholic Church and how they handle possessions and that sort of thing no not everything there's still some Hollywood in there because oh, yeah, I mean it's got to be an exciting show um mm. but there's i mean it's not not some of the crazy off the wall stuff where it's just like this is how it works in reality but we don't need that for a plot point so on we go yeah
0: you know? mm. yeah and also bringing in the lesser key of solomon um but changing it so yeah the 72 demons from the lesser key of the goesha it's a 60 new ones that they just created.
1: Well, and the seals are very interesting. They're mm. I didn't see any seals that I recognized in the brief shots. They only focus on a couple of them when they're focusing in on specific demons and their seals. Um so I didn't like pause the show and go over they show you a whole map eventually where they discover mm. this. But, and by the way, we should say this review is full of spoilers. Oh my word! All the spoilers. So if you well, haven't seen the show,
0: <laughs> I'm assuming people have seen the show before they watch this. Yes. We'll just put a big spoiler alert in the title. Right.
1: <laughs> um, but I didn't. I didn't notice any seals that I recognized as oh, that's actually in the book. That's in mm. you know in the Last of Key Solomon or anything like that. But they're all very much in the style of mm. you know the the gothic crosses and the arrangement in the circles with the double wall and that sort of thing uh, and they did a couple of times show the seal redrawn in various ways which I thought was interesting um, it was more the idea of the images in the seal as opposed to copying the exact lines And you Mm -hmm. kind of get the idea that, especially with the main demon that they're dealing with, which is possessing, inhabiting, embodying, not sure, another psychologist, Leland Townsend, it's like his signature. Mm -hmm. And so how he draws it each time is a little different. You know, um, it kind of morphs and changes a little bit and the one that he draws in the journals he gives to the kids looks like a kid's version of the Mm. demon seal the pig is cute you know i thought that was really Mm. interesting so it's kind of his signature but it's also kind of his um, opening doorway to the energies there and he makes it appealing to the children
0: yeah yeah Yeah, I think that's the whole point of it. Um...
1: So, the actors in this show, I didn't recognize any of the actors except for Mike Coulter. And he played uh, Luke Cage in the Mm -hmm. Luke Cage series and and in Jessica Jones, of course, where he shows up. And, um, you know, when I saw him come on screen, I'm like, ah, it's the guy who played Luke Cage. But he doesn't look massive and hulking like he does in Luke Cage. He looks you know, much more like a normal sized person. And he really wonderfully plays this priest, well, person who's trying to be a priest, but obviously has some conflict in their past and some issues. And of course, ending up in this assessor job seems kind of personal for him, especially early on. He's tormented by the demon apparently who's there when he's praying and talking to him trying to distract him from his prayers
0: mm-hmm.
1: and I thought that portrayal was really awesome um, I, I have a lot of friends in seminary school um, I spent a bit of time in seminary school myself didn't end up going that route uh, but uh, there are very few people in the priesthood that don't have some kind of weird background like that you know, something brings people to the priesthood. Um, in the church they say something brings you to God. And that happens in, in all sorts of religion. There is something bad or difficult or difficult to understand that brings people to the priesthood. And it's always it always comes out in bits and pieces, dribs and drabs. <laughs> You know it's never oh yeah I'm here because uh you know I was possessed by a demon and accidentally killed my girlfriend none of that happens it's just these little bits and very much trying not to talk about it very much you know this is not something I need to bring to people this is my own personal struggle uh so I thought that was surprisingly accurate and I kind of wonder if the showrunners or the writers were in seminary or have a friend or a family member in the seminary or something like that you know because i thought that I was surprisingly good for how that yeah, went
0: i think i've definitely got a, a close connection with somebody i mean it is that whole thing of um he doesn't want to talk about it because that's in the past right this is now his new life you know so you know that's gone he doesn't want to go there anymore he doesn't want to talk about it he doesn't want to think about it but at the same time it keeps coming up um because he started off where he um had visions of god and then the visions stopped so he starts taking um not sure what mushrooms they were but he oh, starts taking psilocybin mushrooms. caps that was psilocybin
1: yeah yeah, yeah he takes psilocybin um, and oh my word the amount in that cup
0: I oh no, it was packed. <laughs> I mean,
1: I understand it was for the show. They wanted to make sure that you could see what was going on. But wow, that was a massive dosage. <laughs> uh,
0: so warning to everybody: if you're going to watch the show and try seltzer cyber, don't put that much in the cup.
1: <laughs> and I'm I'm not real sure he drank it all because he makes a a coffee mug of tea but and Mm. takes a couple sips and then he's carrying the full couple he goes to lay down and then has the visions but it's clear that this is something he's done many times before he goes Mm. to the drug dealer at the club the club the guy knows him and asks where his girlfriend is and then just immediately rolls open his stash and is like what do you want Mm. you know so this is not something new he's used this to see God. And when we meet uh, David Acosta's father, who lives on Mm -hmm. a commune, and they regularly drink psychoactive wine, and have these big parties so they can commune with divinity, it's clear that, like, this this is not new to his life. Maybe he grew up this way, or maybe it's something that they both found later in life, but that's a normal function in his life. Of using that to commune with God. And notably the people in the church that know he sees visions, which seems to be common knowledge because there are several other priests that talk about you know, Acosta has visions. They don't admonish him for the drug use. So either they don't know, I don't think they do, or they don't care, because his visions seem to be a good thing to the church. what i
0: was getting what i was getting was his original vision um was not uh drug induced or anything like that i think it was was some kind of natural phenomenon that happened to him
1: and then he's chasing it
0: yeah he's trying to get that
1: experience back Mm. yeah
0: yeah um and then it was also the uh the ex-girlfriend's or fiance's sister
1: Yes. So, at first, Acosta is talking about his friend, Julia. He doesn't refer to her as girlfriend when uh, Kristen is asking about things. And he's like, you know, she's gone now. That's all he Mm. says. He, He doesn't say much about it. He doesn't, you know, intimate. And then when her sister comes, she's like, oh, yeah, they were very very close uh uh they were engaged to be married because a couple of times David calls her my fiance
0: Mm.
1: and so you know and they they mentioned that Julia is the one that got them both involved with the church because now her sister is a lawyer for the church Mm. so yeah something happened there Julia Julia is who got them to that point to being involved
0: but it's also the um, part where the sister actually seduces him Mm. Um, yeah no it it just it brings out the reality of of the situation Um, you know nobody's perfect people are going to make mistakes all the time and it comes into play with with this series I think quite a lot actually
1: yeah, there's a lot of points where David Acosta, as um, an aspiring priest, struggles with attraction and sexuality and, and that sort mm. of thing. And obviously is, you know, working through uh, his vows of celibacy and what that's going to take out of him. So.
0: Mm. And uh, then the Horned Man. Love him.
1: <laughs> yeah at the at the very end i was kind of surprised to see like here's an actual figure mm. you know i was like oh. you
0: sitting there sitting there as a psychologist right taking notes.
1: <laughs> townsend goes to him like a psychologist or uh, i i got it very much like reporting to his boss mm. you know here's a review on the work you were assigned to do how's it going and uh you know reporting everything that's going on and his boss turns out to be a goat lord basically big hairy horned guy and then all of a sudden this goat lord is in uh, Kristen's house and all sorts of other places too once he's mm. revealed he's everywhere you know
0: when he's when he's in Kristen's house and uh, Walnut during the dream she's having a lucid dream and she's um basically overcoming george and etc cetera, etc cetera. um and then he pops up as a new character which freaks her out because she doesn't she's, this is new to her mm-hmm. there's something he says to her and i can't quite remember it It was um, something along the lines of now we can start the proper work mm-hmm. yeah
1: it's um, something opening like that oh now we can begin
0: yeah so there's something down the line in in the next season or possibly even further than that i think is going to come out which is going to be quite interesting um so i I did start watching season two so i'm just trying to make make sure that i don't get things yeah overlapped.
1: i i did not start season two on purpose because i don't want to bleed yeah, into other things i started
0: watching it before you actually mentioned doing this so. oh um the uh artificial insemination was that that was part of season one
1: yeah they just pick up on that they put together that um something's happening there at that clinic and part of it is the Euler's triangle keeps showing up uh which is uh David has a vision with the mushrooms that involves uh, the Euler's Triangle that he finds in a vision from Da Vinci's work, Salvatory Monday, uh, the savior mm. of the world. And then through, um, you know, uh, tech uh, cutscene, what do they call those? Montage. He pieces mm. together uh, with some other visions he's had. He does sketches of them. He pieces together that you know this refers to new york and chicago and dc and lines it up on the map and uh, it's just like that part that's too fast that's like that's like the hackers that sit down and they're like i'm in you know on movies Mm -hmm. because we just don't have time to watch all of that Um,
0: i was i was trying to figure out how you got the scales right on the map and right uh, the yeah, three just dots.
1: yeah, yeah it's, it's like
0: perfectly line up.
1: <laughs> oh, he thinks to look longitude and latitude. Okay, cool. But he got the numbers right the first time. Right? Mm. Picked longitude and latitude correctly. And that lines up to New York, I think it is. It's a New York or Washington, yeah. DC, as his first point. And then he all of a sudden just ta da Oh, I'll copy paste this image from Salvatore Monday. And those little white dots are stars you know and Mm. there's debate in the art world that those are stars or those are paint flecks like they're not Mm. even supposed to be there they're bits of the paint cracking off so Mm. you know um but like just immediately he pastes it over and rotates it and it lines up the scales perfect everything is just lined up right away That is not how that works in real life.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'll try doing that. it don't work.
1: But they also probably didn't have time for two hours worth of crazy scribbling in notebooks and what the hell and da-da-da-da. But I thought that was a good illustration of something that uh, the priest, I think the Monsignor said earlier, or one of the priest advisors that Acosta goes to. For help about his visions and he's basically like you know one how do i get them back he's he's wanting visions again he's wanting to communicate with god again um mm. and two how do i know which ones are real mm. and the priest says write everything down First off, Mm. everything, just write it down, everything. He emphasizes that. And then he says, God draws in straight lines, and the devil reveals himself in patterns, Mm. which I thought was really interesting and obviously one of the core basis for this show, that they're going to use those patterns and those cycles to point to evil stuff, devil stuff and stuff that is not like that to point to god stuff but i don't know that that necessarily holds outside of the show world because i've heard several times that you know the mystery of god is in the patterns Mm -hmm. um the divine signature is one of those things uh one of the uh, i guess rationales or um theories of knowledge about how um, herbs look like what they're used for lungwort looks like lungs a uh, deer tongue that is used for helping with circulation has red veins through it you know that's that's the divine signature or the doctrine of signatures and mm. the idea is the patterns repeat themselves and that's how you know God made it God signed these things with the information So, you know, that whole the devil is in patterns and and God draws in straight lines, I don't think translates over into the real world, but it's an interesting uh, premise for the development of the show, how they keep seeing these patterns and they're finding things again and again, especially David, because he's the one having the visions and kind of piecing all of these bits together as he goes. Kristen seems to be pretty bad
0: at it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for, for a psychologist, yeah. Um, I did find did, that going back to that scene where um, <clears throat> the Horn Man is standing in Kristen's house and he says something to the lines of, um, now we can start the, the proper work. It, it felt to me almost like um, that character was not the evil but it was also not the good. It was more of a balanced type of character. Mm. But right in the beginning, he's being portrayed as the the devil, the, or Satan, or, you know, the the leader of these demons. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it just, he keeps feeling like this neutral aspect.
1: Like a bath of it.
0: Yeah, basically, yeah.
1: Well, so that's why I
0: keep thinking, later along the line, something something's going to come out that's, kind of brings it all together and balances everything.
1: The depiction is very much like a Baphomet too. Um, mm. you know, I don't know. I would imagine that a big hairy goat Lord with horns in pop culture TV is going to end up being say, I mean, uh, you know, there's been lots of pop culture TV exploring all of these ideas, heaven and hell and demons and angels and Satan. And there's a whole Lucifer series and that sort of thing, but. There's some tropes that they just go back to again
0: and again and again. You know, I've I've got a feeling this series is going to break away away from all that pop culture stuff.
1: We'll have to see how it goes.
0: I mean, during all of the possessions, infestations and everything else, there is no mention of uh, Beelzebub, of um, any of the normal demons that all of the other programs and, and movies actually, you know, just kind of blurt out every
1: time yeah the the names are not not a big thing and i wonder if that's because they're focusing on the 60 which Mm. is this this group of demons in this particular prophecy that uh, david seems to be involved with somehow and they all seem to work together because there's one point where townsend says oh it's one of the other 59 people i trust in this world you Mm. know um So it's clear that they're all related and working together and the map that they show has a bunch of lines between them and one of the missing points seems to be a key uh, point of relationships between them about how they work together that they will need to figure out. Uh, But I, I wonder if it's because of that they're not using regular demon names. Or if it's because those are just too played out for where they want to go with this show. Mm, you know. Because okay. um, yeah. the sixty is not something I've ever come across in demon lore. Or no. you know, those sigils aren't familiar. I think those are all made up for this show. Unless it really is some secret document in the Vatican.
0: <laughs> mm, I doubt I doubt it.
1: I doubt it too. <laughs> um you know it
0: to light at some point before it got made into a series, I'm sure.
1: Yeah, I did see this uh, described, the show described as um, the Da Vinci Code meets the X Files, and I thought okay. that was cute because it mm. does have that Da Vinci Code flavor of Vatican secrets and you know assessors and priests and and possessions immediately into this Catholic worldview of the great battle between heaven and hell. Between God and the Devil, and all these Mm. demons running around doing things, you know. Um, I don't know about the X Files bit, but unless it's Mm. just the slow conversion of belief, that seems to be kind of the arc of the first season. Is is Kristen, the psychologist, starts out as I don't believe in any of this stuff. You know, she she goes back to there is a rational explanation, as if rationality and spirituality are two ends of a spectrum and never the twain shall meet you know mm. um and when she's talking to her own psychologist and appointments he's very much of that attitude also that oh well, well that's all just make believe you know there's reality over here that is psychology and that sort of thing and slowly as kristen has more and more experiences and more and more encounters she starts acting as if they are true she believes the prophet they go and see that tells her to avoid red mm-hmm. you know um, she starts believing that Townsend is a demon not just a, a psychologist after her she picks that one up pretty mm-hmm. so early you know and mm-hmm. um, she doesn't necessarily pick up uh, belief in possession itself the way the church views it and the way they're acting during the exorcisms but she becomes more and more acting on well what if it could be real Mm -hmm. and Ben as a foil does not he continues with the non-church worldview explanations of things even though um, there's the episode that kind of focuses on him where he goes on the ghost hunting show and he admits sure there are things he can't explain you Mm -hmm. know and that video really really (laughs) got his head around it where there's the angel and he's like i I don't know i couldn't explain it and at one point when um let's see the broadway director seems to be possessed but it turns out it's an assistant He pissed off who's hacking his virtual assistant and decided to fuck with him and, you know, uh, put it in his head that he was making a deal with the devil. That jumps to a thing at home and his sister started working on it because she seems to be a better tech guru than he is. Mm -hmm. When he has problem, he goes to his sister and says, help me with this tech stuff. She can reverse hacks and all sorts of things with just clickety-click and done um but the the entity joe that seems to be the demon that the assistant made up jumps to his home virtual assistant after the uh human person says no I quit doing that yeah. you know I I fucked with him I got my revenge I I quit and Ben doesn't know what to do he's panicking Mm. his sister is obviously panicking because here is this um, disembodied voice talking through the virtual assistant in Urdu about what happened to the baby she had Mm. and And it seems
0: like she hadn't told uh, Ben either
1: well no quite clearly she's an unmarried woman Mm. and you know how this all played out and that the the she left and abandoned this baby and left it for dead and everything else and he just grabs it and goes and tosses it in a trash compactor Mm. not let me find a rational explanation not this has got to be some hack but get rid of this and then it doesn't come up again at least in season one but Mm. You know, I can't imagine they're going to let that big, huge loophole drop. I don't know. We'll mm. see. I, I'm looking no, he, forward to seeing where a lot of these open-ended questions go.
0: Yeah. Um, but, I mean, even when he when he says that there's things he can't explain, he still doesn't uh, believe. Um, no. He doesn't doubt that there is a, some kind of technical explanation and physical explanation to it. He just hasn't found it yet.
1: Yeah. And he just, just yeah, there's gotta be something. I just don't know what it is, but someone does, you mm. know, there's an explanation out there, but really when, when that scene, when he goes to toss the virtual assistant in the trash compactor, you see fear and panic on his face. Yeah. Like, oh my God, I don't know what to do. And then he tosses it in the trash compactor. Everything ends, you know, it gets crushed. And you can watch him be like, well, what the fuck did I just do? Now I can't mm. solve it. Mm. You know? But a
0: bit of doubt might have also crept in there.
1: Yeah. So I thought, I, I thought that was really an interesting scene, and hella kudos to the actors. Um, let's Ooh. see, that's Asif Mandvi, who plays Ben Shakir. Uh, the three leads in this show, I think they are doing wonderful and I went and looked and they have like a different director for nearly every episode so it's these actors who are doing an amazing job with it really Mm -hmm. registering these emotions and the complexity that goes on and the seemingly irrational actions that a lot of people take in these situations where I don't believe I don't believe but what if and you know Cause it's the only explanation that's offered. So we seize upon it as well, just in case.
0: Yeah, I'd actually love to read one of the scripts and see how they actually write, mm. um, the four girls.
1: Yeah, the, the, <laughs> the four girls split. are great. they because
0: they just, they just like come in and it's just all of them talking at the same time. I mean, how do you write a script like that?
1: They're just a force <laughs> of chaos. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, I. Well, every once in a while, some lines emerge above the babble, you know, mm. that you can pick up. But the the little girls are amazing, and yeah. they they play it really well, too, mm. about how involved but also not involved their mom is, and of course, for the good chunk of the series, their dad is away, on Mount Everest, uh, doing tours so he's not there at first and they kind of make fun of that there's a lot of points where they make fun of these tropes these horror Mm. story tropes um and they they're watching a horror movie mom is watching a horror movie with the girls and she's like where's the mom and they're like oh she's dead she died in a car crash and she's like of course she's dead Hollywood hates moms Hmm. but you know so many horror stories are set up with a single parent because they're not around all the time you know they have to work and be home and so on and so forth so there's an opportunity for the horror story to unfold the evil to invade whatever it is and they directly poke fun at that in the show but they use it anyways you know because townsend starts dating their grandma who is their regular babysitter Uh, their grandma is rather uninvolved in the babysitting process she's off doing other things she's not paying attention she's just kind of like oh whatever you're doing you know and especially where they run off on halloween night uh with the demonic little girl i guess i'm not sure what to call it not brenda
0: yeah i don't (laughs) know who she i don't know what happened to her or where she came from or who that's just a complete mystery as well yeah because then she she clears off and she's walking down the street scares some kid and laughs away down the street and that's it she's gone i mean yeah <laughs> that's it
1: that was where'd the only she come
0: from where'd she go you know
1: only bit of that but i thought that was really clever um definitely some alfred hitchcock kind of nods of we never see her face mm. even though she's talking about having a horribly burned face and you think she's going to lift the mask and we're going to see this crazy gory thing but the cuts are such that we never see it. And, you know, the monster you don't see is scarier than the one you do. Mm. And I thought at first in the show, we weren't going to see George. Her yeah. succubus, incubus, uh, nightmare demon. You know, but he gets seen in, in full glory, very detailed and everything else. And then they explain that away by, oh, he was in a, a, the horror show they were watching with the missing mom. So that's
0: where um, they saw it. Except that um, when they when she actually shows the kids the um, the the guy that acts as the monster, as uh, the character George, um, the I don't know if it was the director or or, or whoever the, the screenwriter, whoever it was she said that he gets his ideas from his dreams
1: right these things come so, to me in my dreams and so then yes. i go make a very quick model and then translate it i noticed that i thought that was really good and that... there
0: was there was also there was also a tie over with um kristen's finger again the, the demon george um cutting his her finger off mm-hmm. and then the daughter later saying i also had it i had a dream where where this demon was cutting my finger off so it's exactly the same dream as well they hadn't spoken about it so whether this demon george is actually real or not is also a mystery so we've got all all things in there which are fantastic
1: but they talk about night terrors about how she can't move anything but her eyes which is you know that's the experience of night terrors paralysis has happened Mm. but the brain is still awake you know but that shared dreams between parents and kids that's also a real phenomenon that happens Mm. frequently um, and is cause for calling for investigations or exorcisms or cleansings that sort of thing. Um, I shared dreams with my father um, the entire time I lived with my parents. Mm. Uh, They faded five six years after I moved out uh, but still i can pick up when my father has very intense dreams and vice versa my father calls me when i have terrible nightmares and he's like hey that was really a rough night you doing okay mm. so you know that they don't try to explain that away which i thought was a a good point about the show it's just mm. taken as granted that there is this connection there and they're sharing dreams but it's not all the kids it's just
0: one of them yeah and then later on there's the inclusion of buddhism uh when the father comes back and he's um, experimenting with buddhism Mm -hmm. and then one of the daughters has to go in for uh, her heart operation because her her valves or something have deteriorated Mm -hmm. and the kids are sitting in the the other kids are sitting in the waiting room and they are doing the chant that they heard their father do and the doctor comes along and says you can't explain it, but it was like a miracle cure. So it, it's great that it's not just focused on, you know, Christianity and Catholicism is the only, only, uh, uh path and the only tradition, only religion. Yeah. There's others that can do good as well. Yeah. Um, which is, uh,
1: and it's, a, great. it's amazing how fast the kids pick that up. It's yeah. like, He's stressed out, so he goes and starts chanting to calm himself down. And he does his mudras and his meditation. And he doesn't realize that one of the girls sees him do it. They, like, peek in on the door, realize he's busy, and leave. And then, like, the next scene, the girls are all chanting perfectly. Mm. (laughs) Like, they got (laughs) the words right and everything. So, yeah.
0: It was in the script.
1: (laughs) Right, it was in the script. That's how they knew what to chant. Um, But... Yeah, they picked it up so fast and they did it so perfectly. I thought that was like, that's, that's not how that works. I mean, yes, <laughs> kids imitate, absolutely. But they don't get it right, No, yeah. <laughs> not on the first shot. So,
0: yeah, but it made a great scene anyway. Yeah, that's, that's awesome, isn't it? I mean, yeah, there's going to, there's obviously going to be some things that they have to put in there, which uh, are a bit uh, above or a bit over the top, but, you know, gotta but, put them in there for the entertainment.
1: But way back when they talked to the lady that was doing the prophecies, where they had to go assess the prophecies, and they first discovered this secret document from the Vatican, Kristen mm. Bouchard did ask about her daughter and her heart valve. And the reply was, she will heal.
0: Mm.
1: And then, you know, the rest of the scene was being upset about the method the prophet used to deliver all of this, and how she was blowing up these toys, and it was inane and everything else. But, you know, they did, they did allude to that. Like she's going to be fine. God already said.
0: Mm. Yeah. So there is that as well.
1: Yeah. Uh,
0: uh, I think the question is the path or the route that it took for her to be fine. Cause I mean, the one minute the doctor's saying, we have got to bring her in immediately it's an emergency operation we've got to do. And the next minute he goes yeah. into cut and there's nothing wrong. Everything's like- healed
1: they did the scope right. he determined operation now like no choice mm. today and he you know we can't wait we got to do this and then they go in to do the operation and it healed and he's like I don't know what happened in like four hours mm. and of course the the doctor says it's a miracle but he also says young bodies do weird things You know, and they use that explanation for the girl who died and spontaneously revived three hours later after being blessed by the priest as a miracle. We don't know. Young bodies are weird. Mm -hmm. They do weird things. And I think it's interesting that they're using that very common experience of young children over seven, under 16 that range where um, adolescence kicks in and weird stuff happens mm. uh, because you know in hauntings and possessions and exorcisms and everything else nine times out of ten there's a kid involved uh, and and the activity centers around that kid. Uh, going through that time period going through adolescence wakes up all this stuff and without You know information about how to control it or what's happening or what to do with it or how to be safe when talking to entities and and that sort of thing shit goes off you know Mm. and so I thought the fact that they keep coming back to that again and again was very noteworthy and I was kind of disappointed towards the end of the story arc when they were like oh it's all these kids because it's through this in vitro clinic through this fertility clinic and the demons are influencing the eggs before they're implanted that's what's mm. going on you know and Kristen gets freaked out because the daughter with the heart condition she had through this clinic
0: you yeah, i think the one thing i can't quite figure out is um specifically leland if he is possessed by the demon that he is representing or whether he's just like acting on behalf of, him. Um, because you know sometimes it, he comes across as this demonic force. So at some stage he got possessed, and the demon is riding his body. Um, and then there's, there's there's a part where um, Kristen and, and Nieland are in the court, and she 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 retaliates because he yeah. comes at her. And she retaliates, carrying on about his past, and he was this stupid little kid and everything else. And he he felt attacked. Now, if he wasn't the the, the demon possessing a body, or if he was, then that wouldn't really matter to him. Um, but he clearly felt attacked, so he was still that that person that he that, that Christian was saying he was in his past life. So I can't quite put that bit together. Well, I guess we'll find out.
1: I don't think it's what would be classed as a possession because especially in in the view of the Catholic Church possession deteriorates the body over time demons Mm -hmm. can't just hang out in bodies for a long period of time stuff falls apart uh they don't it doesn't work and it's more like uh the possession in the supernatural TV show where a demon Mm -hmm. just moves in and takes over a body and continues to do their demonic work that way and nothing's wrong but yeah when she comes back and attacks him about marching band and that sort of thing and then we see him go to his boss psychologist goat lord dude and you know talk about it and process this stuff like well it makes me feel bad and it makes me feel impotent and it's the same stuff he was using on the Uh, young man to try to turn him into a violent incel the same Mm. psychology Uh, so I thought that was interesting but my thought was back at the beginning of the show when we first encounter Townsend Acosta explains it as you know even if you don't believe in demons you know that there are influencers in the world people that encourage other people to do bad things you know that influence people one way or the other and bruchard says yeah psychopaths and like Mm -hmm. they agree and on they go but so i wonder if it's some understanding of demons walk amongst us kind of thing you know that it's just they had to grow up they had to be somewhere and this this experience, this demeaning experience through high school and that sort of thing, was part of the process. Not necessarily human entity and demon moves in, but this is the demon having a physical manifestation.
0: Yeah, or we, person becoming a psychopath. And yeah, we speak about demons.
1: Yeah, there's demons. I think yeah. this show does a very good job of lining up a bunch of psychological explanations parallel with spiritual explanations Mm. these are the steps that a person becomes a psychopath well these are the steps that we figure out they're a demon Mm. you know and it makes me think of the at least psychology now says oh back in the 1500s all these things were happening we just didn't have the tools to explain it so people use spirituality to explain it And i think Mm. um dr boggs the psychologist that Bouchard sees, he even uses that kind of rationale one time when he talks about his cultural trip to Bali, you know, and, and how it's, it's an explanation for this phenomenon that is repeatedly occurring. So we see these mm-hmm. parallels happen, but there's also the interesting thing when Townsend and Bouchard have that confrontation outside the court and she records him. because she records the conversation and the things he says that are innocuous get recorded but the things he said that are obviously like his demonic plan being revealed you know where he talks about why he's sending this young child to prison so he can become who he needs to be those don't get Mm -hmm. recorded and ben is like oh they used a jammer let me unscramble the signal he ultimately can't And they end up deep faking it in the court to save this kid but that story of this influence will lead him down this path to become who he is meant to be Mm -hmm. it makes me think of townsend's story that he went through this path to become who he is meant to be
0: to become this influencer but then as you say i mean there's the parts of his conversation on the recording are are scratched um, like you can't hear them but right at the beginning of the recording when he says something like hello how are you type thing right that's there so there's obviously not some kind of technical problem there it's not a blocker or anything because otherwise the whole conversation would have been blocked out
1: right and and Ben works on it to uncover what was said and he can't mm-hmm. you know so because it's a pressing time issue they come up with another solution But I thought that was an interesting way to look at the machinations of the demons and their use of prisons and courts and everything else. You can't present their crap as evidence in court because they've taken precautions against the technology, Mm. you know, which is something that comes up a lot in assessments and exorcisms and stuff like that people will tell you of all these things that happened, but they don't have any evidence because they can't get recordings oh the tape failed uh, my phone yeah. broke the files mysteriously disappeared the whole thing is static you know the notebook i had where i wrote everything down was the only thing that caught fire you know <laughs> that sort of thing yeah. that occurs quite frequently in real life And Mm. a lot of skeptics will be like, well, there was no evidence. They're making it up and there are excuses, but you have to wonder when it happens again and again and again, and you hear these stories over and over again, if it's just people making it up all the time, or if Mm. there is something happening there.
0: Yeah. I suppose I should also say, because anybody who's heard my stuff is probably sitting there going, yeah, but Lee keeps saying that demons don't possess people. it's it's others and astral parasites and things like that it's a tv show so you know
1: yeah yeah (laughs) they do not use the word demon the way we use the word demon Uh, not at all not at all but Mm. this whole show is set in the catholic worldview that's the premise from the get-go and they define that Mm -hmm. quite clearly by the main character being an aspiring priest Mm. you know he is he is moving from uh mundane worldview of complete skepticism and materialism into the catholic worldview where possessions and hauntings and and god versus devil happens and he's much further into it than bouchard is and ben's still way over here uh Mm. you know uh in the materialistic worldview of there's a a rational explanation for everything but Mm. But but having
0: having said that i mean yeah it is it is mostly from a christian or catholic point of view but as we said they also like they bring in different religions as well uh and they don't completely reject them um i'm not going to say what happens in season two but there's a definite there's there's a there's a part in there that just makes that apparent um they don't reject those religions it's it's kind of more, more like viewing it as a synthesis, um, you know, we're all working together type thing to try and make a better world.
1: Well, um, I, I think that is part of the Catholic worldview, though. Um, okay. um, talking to, to nuns and monks and priests and working um, with assessors and, and having been present for exorcisms, they don't deny that other religions exist, they don't deny that there are other spiritual technologies um Mm. they think they're right but they think that other people are totally capable of doing all of these things and interacting with these demons and so on and so forth and that Mm. there are even catholic priests who will be like oh well that's you know that's a thing that happens in that religion and that's their demons Mm. so i i think that is part of the catholic world view um that other technologies exist spiritual technologies that you know there are even other entities that are outside of Catholicism they still have an omnipotent omnipresent God that is everything but more of a let's save people and work together and if the Catholic priest can't do the exorcism but you know hunting lit shaman can then do that because it's Mm -hmm. more important to save souls. Yeah and, yeah. and save the people.
0: Yeah. And that was, that was the whole thing you were saying earlier about um, uh, Kristen, you know, going to the Monsignor and saying, you know, you can do something now. Go do it. Otherwise, people are going to die. Um, if we involve psychology into it, it could be weeks or two weeks down the line, you know, because it's just going to take too long. You can act now. Go and do it. Yeah. That's the point. Yeah. Just save someone's life. Yeah.
1: There was one bit. In episode like four or five when they're doing the exorcism and it's Kristen's first exorcism David calls her and he's like shit is going down I need help Um, Mm. we already had an assessment they determined it was a possession we did an exorcism but now this exorcism is dragging on and on and on something's wrong we want another assessment and he calls Ben too but Ben is doing the ghost show and mm. so he can't be there. And that's Halloween night. Because that's when Kristen's away. And the kids go to the uh, cemetery. They try to bury one of the kids in a fresh grave. And who leaves a freshly dug grave open on Halloween night. And unlocked cemetery. Total horror We're show. Script. Not not <laughs> a thing. Do you know how hard it is to get into cemeteries at night. Especially on Halloween. It's a lot of work. A little group of loud children did not accomplish that. Anyways. <laughs> um so they go to the exorcism Kristen is of course overwhelmed and i mean as are pretty much everyone at their first exorcism it's it's an experience and this is a bad one things are not going well um you know the woman is pleading and sweating and you know she's asking the priest how long has she been tied up in that bed and is she eating and everything else? And the priest's explanation is when the demon rests, she can be human. But then the demon returns and then she vomits and everything else. Which is kind of an explanation, perhaps, for what's going on with Townsend. He's just mm-hmm. cool with the possession, he's not fighting it. I don't know, maybe. But, anyways, that night, she calls her doctor. Uh, her psychologist, Kurt, and says, come help. I need another doctor here. You know, she doesn't identify as a doctor, even though she is a doctor. She uses it in court when it needs leverage. And he comes and they do the the scene from The Exorcist. (laughs) I mean, the fog and the lamp and everything else. And he's holding the briefcase, you know, and it's really cute. And he goes in, and and the exorcism happens, and it it works eventually because David prays. David does what he's not supposed to do. He takes off the sunglasses. He makes eye contact, and he convinces the person to drive out the demon, which is how a lot of exorcisms actually go. Mm -hmm. Um, You see a lot of exorcisms where the priest is all... You know i compel you in the name of jesus christ our lord so on and so forth and it's like the priest battling the demon and their wills but in at least the exorcisms i've been involved in that involve a church and many others that don't it's not those two wills that are in conflict it's the person who is possessed and the entity possessing them and you have to build that person back up strong enough that they can finally win Which is hard to do Mm. after a long possession. But anyways, Mm. they finally win. The woman drives out the demon. They get back. And David walks out. And he stands by that same street lamp. And we watch the fog move away. And then the street lamp break and catch on fire. Mm. So, like, it's an old gas lamp. Which is weird because this is clearly modern day are fertility clinics right and computers and hacking virtual assistants but this is a gas lamp that caught on fire there are flames coming out the side of the the lamp mm. and he looks at that and something comes over him i can't quite tell what he's supposed to be conveying like is it doubt is it relief whatever but that's the exorcism that they come back and try to sue the church for
0: yeah
1: and they say Oh, it turns out she wasn't possessed it was all of these psychological things going on and the church actually caused her damage and that's how julia's sister the lawyer gets involved Mm -hmm. and we find out all sorts of stuff about david and Mm -hmm. his background and that sort of thing
0: yeah wasn't that whole street lamp thing also the exorcist Mm
1: -hmm.
0: yeah
1: yeah but i thought that was her first exorcism and uh, Kurt's first exorcism, they use all of those tropes from The Exorcist. And I thought it was great. Uh, you know, mm. uh, I wonder if there's others in there that I missed. That one I picked up on quickly because I'm a big fan of The Exorcist movies. I think they are hilarious. And mm. I love to watch them, especially around Halloween and just just laugh my ass off. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, we have the, the Christ compels you joke, you know, uh, throwing water at each other and that sort of thing. So, But that's what happens when you live with someone who does exorcisms. They, <laughs> you have to have a lighthearted attitude about them because they're not oh, lighthearted oh, yeah. experiences. But yeah. I thought that was interesting that they're poking mm-hmm. fun at these tropes that are in horror movies. But still, they're having a really serious conversation in this show. Mm-hmm about um, psychology versus spirituality and that materialistic uh skeptic viewpoint versus the church's viewpoint and what's really happening you know um trying to uncover that the one of the demons they pick up has made the video game that the girls are playing
0: yeah you know mm-hmm.
1: and is apparently personally interacting with the girls so there's
0: no that, that that was a um was it demonic or was it just a psychopath it was uh, one of the guys who was a game
1: oh maybe he wasn't one of the demons that was yeah. playing the rose 390 or whatever it was the number
0: yeah they eventually found him um i think he was just insane actually
1: yeah and yeah. Like LaRue, he appears to be working for Townsend, but Townsend also refers to him as one of the 59. So maybe Mm. he's a fellow demon, maybe he's just a psychopath. I don't know. It's kind of murky, which is, you know, one of the things that I think makes it fairly real. Clear-cut lines like that rarely emerge because you're totally not getting all of the information.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So I I think that's, that's interesting in there, but overall, it's a good show. Um, mm. There's, there's of course, Hollywood stuff that's played up a little bit. Um, you know, especially the dream sequences, this is a problem with television, you want to show the dream and what's happening, but dreams don't have that real life quality to them.
0: they just have
1: yeah they have that intuitive Mm. knowing and that sort of thing and things aren't that clear you know like the first dream that Kristen has where George goes over and pees on the floor and she wakes up and she looks for that as evidence evidence material evidence of this dream and she finds the water on the floor and she's like oh shit it's real Ah, and then she notices the window is open and it's raining. And that mm. makes her go, no, it's not real. So it immediately sets up this dichotomy that if there's some other explanation, then it can't be spiritual or demonic. You know? Mm. Which I don't think is true. Yeah. When it comes to, to the actual world, of course stuff has to manifest physically. There has to be there has to be a chain of events that makes things manifest physically we totally get that weird hairs on the back of our neck sensation when we don't have a quote-unquote rational explanation for it but i don't think the rational explanation negates the spiritual explanation the way they set it yeah. up in this show But
0: well, that would be the viewpoint of a psychologist it has to be one or the other and the psychologist would go with the scientific explanation
1: but that's also the um, viewpoint of the church in this show yeah the monsignor wants these scientific explanations to discount uh, to rule out prophecy or miracle or possession or whatever it is
0: mm. yeah.
1: and i think that's the position of, of a lot of things or a lot of people mm. in in our modern world the, the dichotomy between materialism and spiritualism. But overall, I think it's a good show. It has a lot of uh, things that I find fairly true to life um, yeah. as far as many of these experiences go. It's still got plenty of jump scares in it, it's still a horror show that's got, you know, um, some really cool special effects. Um, when Uh, Kristen and David are at her dad's commune and they end up drugging them on something in the wine Molly or something, I don't remember what it is they put in the wine and they're Mm. both, you know, really really high and they didn't realize they were and she goes out to the field and the woman gives birth to some demon gremlin thing Uh, you know, that's pretty
0: unless you see that as well
1: yeah, you actually (laughs) see that that's pretty overwhelming But I get the sense, because you actually see the demon, that it's like her dreams. You know, Mm -hmm. she's tripping on drugs. And so this is like in the dream realm where she actually sees these things. When she's in the not dream realm or the not drugged up realm, we don't see the demons. We don't see them manifest, which I think Mm -hmm. is very interesting you know we see things like the avatar in the haunted girl game or just Leland Townsend looking like a normal ugly white guy you know uh very frumpy and just unsuspecting shuffling along Mm. at his job you know we don't see demons and and Incubi and and stuff like that running around in the materialist world obviously the lines are a bit blurred there's no special effects to be like oh this is real and this is not
0: mm.
1: but we only see these grotesque demons and these depictions and even uh the goat boss or dude in these dream states or in these altered states
0: except with Leland at the end can't quite figure out if that's a dream state or not
1: well that's not something that any of the three main characters are seeing Kristen, david or ben that's not their experience so that's like townsend experience and he's already a demon so that could be his dreams and him communing with his guiding power kind of thing or you know but even like when david is praying and leland is there we don't see him as a grotesque figure yeah. It's not an altered state, and we get the sense that Leland maybe isn't there. He's just in David's head. but how do you yeah. depict that on the screen? You know, there are yeah. limits to the yeah. medium, of course. Yeah. And then, oh, there's that one bit when David is is tripping on drugs. he's in his room at the seminary and Kristen comes by. she wants to talk to him. She can't get a hold of him because of course he's turned off his phone. He's decided to go on a trip. And mm. she comes in, tries to talk to him, and is like, oh, you're, you're fucked up. I'll leave. <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, something's wrong. She should not really address mm-hmm. it, but she's like, i got to get out of here. This is not, I can't have this conversation. And then he turns mm. around, and there's this shadowy little figure in his chair, in his room. And he I just remember. goes, who are you? And that's the end of the episode. And mm-hmm. we never see that shadowy little figure again. And yeah, it's 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 too. posed and up like this. But we don't see any face. And I thought that was really cute. Because I've seen little shadowy figures like that. Posed and up mm-hmm. like that in the corner rooms and shit. But I thought, wow. The demon got into the church. Because he lives in a church. It should be blessed ground, right? should be sanctuary. Mm-hmm. But... Mm-hmm he's in that altered state and he's seeing weird things and and he's not scared by it. Mm. He doesn't freak out. He's just like, "Ah, who are you?" you know. "Hey, <laughs> bet you at the party. What's your name?
0: You're pretty cool." Yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 but they're using Gosh. a really good mix of of visuals and keeping things creepy.
0: Yeah. Well, they, def- they definitely did a good job of this one, I must say. Yeah. yeah I mean, I, st- I remember st- when I started watching this, I thought, oh, it's going to be one of these again, you know, pro-Catholic Church type things, but I was surprised. So It was fantastic.
1: Yeah. I know I know we're not necessarily talking about other shows, but, you know, I really enjoyed Supernatural until mm. we got to the seasons that were just eternal heaven and hell, angel and demon battles, and then I'm just like, Uh, come on, there are other things in the world. You've been with other things in the world. Why are we in this? You know, we've spent like four seasons in this crazy heaven and hell bullshit, you know.
0: Did did you watch that right to the end?
1: Yeah.
0: And it was just just a stupid ending. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Well, suppose there was was no other way of ending that. After
1: 17 seasons, I feel for him. It's a lot of material to come up with and keep that yeah, that story arc fresh, but <laughs> we'll have to do one of these on Supernatural. Just the whole yeah. the whole thing would be good because there's a lot of cool stuff in that. Uh, that when I watched it as someone who you know does cleansing and and deals with hauntings and exorcisms and and that sort of thing, I went, "Oh, that's real." Oh, mm. wait that's not you know um so I always like those tv shows where I can watch it and be like hey somebody else has been there cool Mm -hmm. and that's what turned me on about this show you know there were a bunch of times where I was like ah that happens oh that happens you know Mm -hmm. and you don't see that on all of them yeah you know there's not floating little girls in the air spitting pea soup that none of that's ever happened in my real life experience vomiting sure but the projectile across the room hitting the wall uh, blessed linda blair never seen know.
0: that i don't know but my daughter was a baby it happened
1: <laughs> but it wasn't she in was the middle a... of an exorcism
0: i mean if they if they had projectile vomiting at the olympic Games, so she would have entered <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I'm not saying projectile vomiting is not a thing. I also have children. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely (laughs) has happened, but that's not a common thing in in exorcisms because the person, by the time you get to a point of an exorcism, the person is weak.
0: Yeah.
1: Very, very weak.
0: So they've got nothing to actually vomit. Yeah.
1: They're usually Mm. very dehydrated, they usually haven't been eating you
0: know, it, it's not a state of a healthy body uh, by the mm. time you get to that point. Mm. Alright, well, should we wrap it up? I think we've, I think we've exhausted the evil season one. Yep. Oh, sorry, not the evil, just evil season one. Um, and anybody who's watching this, please leave us comments, and uh, if you want to know about anything else, just... Uh, know let us know in the comments let us know what you thought about this because this is the first one we're doing so if you want to if you've got any suggestions that we can improve that would be fantastic and until next time this was what's on the telly
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you all for watching and we will see you on our regular black hat chat on Fridays at 4pm GMT, we're on two different channels on Twitch, nope, two different channels on YouTube, and we're on Twitch, so all of those links are in our regular descriptions.
0: Yes, and we'll see you there. Bye! Bye Bye-bye! Thank you for joining us today in the Black Hat Chat. Have a look in the description of this podcast or in the about section for all of our links and tune in next week for another exciting chat.